0: Heavenly Father, you've gathered us together here in this room to talk about school, Lord, a topic that affects many of us here, affects all of us here in some way. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would bless the speaker up here, Lord, with words to share with the others, Lord. I just pray that the inspiration would come from you, that the lessons, Lord, that we would learn would come from you, and I just pray that the participation from others, Lord, would come from you as well. I pray that you bless our gathering now in Jesus' name, Amen. I solicit your prayers for two reasons. Uh, Number one, never done a forum before, so this is the first time for that. Uh, Number two, the kids I'm usually talking to are about that tall, and you guys are much taller than that, so different audience. Uh, The topic uh, of public schooling is huge. In fact, it was big enough that it was hard to come up with some kind of concise title to make this forum called. So um, surviving and thriving in the public school is kind of what came to mind for me. Um, Two kind of opposite words. I think they both want to achieve the same goal, but they're, they're going to achieve it in different ways. Surviving in a public school, making it day-to-day, just getting by is quite a bit different than thriving in a public school. So my hope is after the forum today, you might feel a little bit better equipped or have some more ideas for how to help your kids actually thrive in a public school, not just survive while they're there. A little background about myself. Um, I've been teaching for 11 years um, in the public school system, second grade for two years, Third grade now for the last nine, and right before the summer came, I was informed that I'm going back to second grade. So I'm either doing something wrong in third grade or they must really want me back in second. But 11 years of experience in, in public schools for me so far. Um, I'm a regular education teacher, but I've also got some experience with inclusion. And for those of you that don't know what inclusion is, that basically means having children in your class that are on IEPs, that have special needs, perhaps, and they're included in the regular classroom. So throughout those 11 years that I've been teaching, I've had years where I have been the inclusion teacher of that grade level as well. And it's, sometimes it's one teacher. If there's a lot of kids that have those needs, the kids might be dispersed over a couple different classes. Uh, but I've been the, the inclusion teacher a few years, too. Uh, this past year, we've been working to develop some of the new Common Core curriculum. Some of you may have seen... Um, some commercials on tv promoting the common core and basically it's a curriculum that they're trying to develop across the united states um, some of the states have not signed on for it some of the states have said we're, we're going to continue doing our own thing um, but the majority I, I want to say it's around 40 of these states in the united states have agreed that they're going to endorse the common core curriculum and so schools in the past year or two or three now have been trying to get their standards ready getting tri- ready to try to do what's called rolling out the standards getting things mapped out, getting things ready to go, to actually be presenting to the students. So we've been working, I worked uh, quite a bit last year on developing the third-grade Common Core curriculum for next year, and so lo and behold, I get moved to second grade, so a lot of the work that I did is going to be for whoever uh, has taken my third-grade job. Some of the objectives of our forum today. Uh, I really want to encourage those of you that are utilizing public schools to just want to be an encouragement to continue to do that. I'd like, you to cause, I'd like to cause you to reflect a little bit on some of your own actions as it related to the public schools, some things maybe you've done in the past, maybe some things you'll change when you go home if you've got kids that are in schools now, uh, maybe even some supportive roles that some of you that don't have kids in schools now uh, can, can be a support as well. And hopefully to use doctrine, I will use doctrine to support uh, parents to take kind of an, a, a more of an active role in their child's education. I've got kind of a dual... Um, Desire to make sure that one is satisfied Because I'm a parent of five children Three of them are in public school now And I'm also coming from the teacher end of it So hopefully you'll see uh, How from my perspective It's maybe a little, a little more unique In trying to get uh, some of you involved If you're not A lot of people asked me Before this forum started Up until the next uh, last couple of days um, Oh are you, what are you doing your forum on And I said public schooling And, and some of the, uh, the things about public schooling I said, oh, good, are you going to tell the homeschoolers they're doing things wrong? And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. In fact, I think there's a lot of reasons that we, uh, that I've run into, parents that I've run into in the public schools that have given reasons, uh, or maybe even some of you, if you're here and you're homeschoolers, there's some great reasons to homeschool. As a public school teacher, I've seen some parents homeschool that have done it the right way, and they've sent their kids into the public school with some homeschooling background. Um, And I've seen some that have done it completely the wrong way. Some parents that have kind of thought, Oh, I can do this schooling thing at home. And they don't take it really all that seriously. They send their kids into school at some point when they feel like their kids have fallen behind. And it's a complete disaster for the public school to take over a homeschooling situation when there's a transition in between. So I want to address some of the reasons that, are, I, that I believe are good reasons to homeschool. And I'm sure the list is more comprehensive than what I'm going to show here. You can do a better job. Um, I've, had, I've had parents that have really had a conviction that they could do a better job than the public school can do. I, as a teacher, don't take offense to that. Um, I I know that there's some parents that wanna throw 110% into their child's education. They wanna be there every step along the way. They truly believe that they can give more time to their child's education than the school's going to give in a classroom full of 20 some odd students. And so some parents have the conviction that if they can do a better job and they're gonna devote more time to it, they'll do it themselves. And I think that's a valid reason. perhaps your child's got some special circumstances that the public school can't or even won't address. Um, what are some of those circumstances? You know, you may have a school that has had some difficulty dealing with children that are dyslexic. They don't have a program set up maybe specifically for a dyslexic child. Uh, maybe you've got a behavior child, uh, a, a special behavior that your child, uh, we would call it an SBH in school, but it's, a, it's a, an acting out behavior. Maybe they're they've severely behaviorally handicapped, and that's a situation that you feel like the public school is just not gonna address fully. Um, Maybe you've got a kid that's gifted. You've got a kid that's really, really bright, and you know that when your kid is in public school, maybe the school that that you district you you live in, there's not a huge program for the gifted. Now, schools have to identify gifted students, and this this varies from from state to state, too, depending on funding, Uh, but my school that I teach in, we have to identify gifted students through a test, but once we identify them, We do not have to do anything with them other than identify them. If the school has funding to help them with gifted programs, they will. will. But those are also the first programs that get cut when funding gets cut. And all of you have seen education funding get cut in certain ways. So gifted a lot of times is is another issue that's kind of on the good end of the spectrum. You've got a gifted student. Sometimes the school doesn't have the funding to even address it. I want to talk about that third bullet there. Your public school has repeatedly proven to you that they tolerate bullying, impede Christian beliefs, or that they cross the line with what you believe to be right. Bullying is something I wouldn't say any school would tolerate or would endorse, so that's, that's kind of tongue-in-cheek that it's even up there. Um, but there are definitely some people that believe that the, the school district that they, they're in, that they live in, you know, you tried prob- probably to pick a district that you were going to be uh, happy with or comfortable with when you, when you moved into it for your kids, um, but maybe something came along after you were there and you found out, you know, this really isn't working out the way that I thought, or there's some issues coming up each day or a couple times a month, and I just feel like they're crossing the line with a lot of the things that I personally believe as a Christian. So that's a possibility, too, and if that's something that, you know, is your case, it's another good reason to make sure that what your children are being taught is what you want them to be taught. Last one here is you want to enrich your child's learning. What do I mean by enrich? Um, I've told people out of my seven and a half hour school day, if I were to just take the time that I'm actually teaching and just take the time that I'm actually doing something interactive with the kids, you could probably cut a a couple hours out of that. You throw in bathroom breaks. You throw in recess. You throw in lunch. You throw in transitions to specials. You throw in the specials. All those sorts of things, you've got and you even throw in the time where you're trying to get the kids' attention. So there's some of the extra time in there. So enriching your child's learning, perhaps some parents feel like, you know, I just think there's a lot of time. If I took my kids and educated them in the the three, four hours, that I could probably get the material covered, and then we're going to do some kind of extension activity by going to this place to kind of enrich it a bit. It's another great reason. Some parents really feel that's their calling, is to really enrich their, their child's learning outside of the school day, because that school day is long enough that it's really... Harder to do it when they get home after a a seven-and-a-half, eight-hour day. So enriching your child's learning. Some things to remember about public school and sending your kids there. Always remember God is bigger than the public school. I I might as well mention the book that I've... I want to endorse this book. It's called Going Public. And uh, it's about a couple, and they've got six or seven children. And uh, they are public schooling their children. And uh, as Christians, they faced a lot of... um, pressure to to either put their kids to a Christian school or to homeschool their kids. And they chose to go the public school route with God's help. And so um, one of the things they talk about in here is a large emphasis on family. Um, They talk about talking together with your kids, making sure that discussions are being had about what's going on in the public school. It's important. Uh, Brainstorming with your kids about problems that they're encountering at school. It's also something really important to do with your kids. Doing research together with your kids. And I don't just mean on assignments, but researching different issues that are coming up, not just saying, well, you should do this and, and let it go at that. Take an active role in actually researching with your kids on how to solve problems. Praying together with their kids. Uh, praying together with your own children as they're going through It's a big emphasis on a family doing it together. You may only have, know I've only got three of my kids in school now, but when we get our kids involved in a prayer about something at school, we try to get the younger ones involved too. So we know that there's a, not only is the whole family backing up the one kid that's got the problem, but also to show the younger ones that you know, this is not a scary thing to enter into. You're going to have mom and dad support. You're going to have brothers and sisters' support, too. You know, To each, I would call them antagonist at, at, at a school, or to each antagonist in a situation, you know, we can, it's an opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ. And that's maybe what the biggest point of, I hope, what, what the biggest point of sending your child to public school would be, is that you're giving your children an opportunity to be in an environment where you know it's desperately needed. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. You know, God's in charge no matter what trouble comes our way. Um, In John 16, 33, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, we're going to encounter situations in public schools with our kids that we're going to think, you know, is this worth sending my kid to public school? I didn't think this was going to happen this way, or I didn't envision this being a problem with my kid. God is in charge of those situations. He works us those situations and it's a great opportunity to be an example to others remember too that home is your first classroom i was talking to somebody about this this morning you know whether you're public schooling or homeschooling or private schooling home is the first classroom when you send your kids to a public school and when they come to my grade by third grade you know they've had even more years but parents when you send your kids to kindergarten for that first time they hopefully have been homeschooled for five years by then Um, You know, school is—it's got has got its own role, and we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But home is really their first classroom, and so some some foundational things need to be set forth in your home before you send your child into the school, because the school's not going to teach everything, and and we'll get to that a little bit later too. You know, home is really a place where you can teach your children to be the influencers of others, not to be the influenced by every situation they're going to come up against, because school is full of them. So it's another reason, uh, it's another thing to think about as you send your children to school. your emphasis to your children as they're in public school should be on what would please God the most in every day decisions. It should be our influence it should be something that we think about too. Obviously as Christians what is what is going to please God the most in this situation, but there should be a heavy emphasis on that as your child goes to school too. What is God expecting from you today? And it may not be a daily conversation that you're having, but it should be an implied even if it's not daily, it should be an implied emphasis that God is expecting certain things from you. You're an example going into the school, he's expecting certain things from you. So there needs to be a big emphasis on that. You need know, to remember to allow for decision-making, responsible decision-making along the way. Um, I think as a parent myself, one of my, one of my things that I struggle with is uh, not allowing for those decision-making things along the way seems to be the default. You, you kind of expect your kids to maybe fail in something, so you want to step in and make sure it's the right way the first time. You want to tell them exactly how to do it. And that should be the situation. That should be the case in some situations. If it's a bigger issue that involves, you know, something that you know much more than your child does. But there needs to be little steps along the way where you're allowing your kids to make some decisions. So when they're in the school, they're used to making some decisions for themselves. They're not waiting for an adult to step in and tell them exactly what they've got to do. That's got to be uh, ingrained into them before they get into school. Avoid something called systematic abandonment. What do I mean by systematic abandonment? This is kind of uh, something that our society has gotten really, really good at lately. And systematic abandonment is basically forcing kids to figure out how to do things on their own because parents are too busy, they're working a couple jobs, or they just don't care. And so they kind of count on their kids to just figure it out as they go along. You know, yeah, you're in third grade or you're in fifth grade, you're going to have this issue, but you'll figure it out. These need to be things that we have interactive discussions with our kids about. When I was talking about the brainstorming, the researching with your kids, those are things that we actually need to do along the way. Kids don't just figure everything out on their own. There are some things they are going to figure out on their own, but we want to avoid what would be called a systematic abandonment where everything is just, you'll figure it out as you get older. Think about the direct correlation between our actions and our children's character. You know, the way that you act in your home, the way that you react to your kids at home, Um, The situations that come up in your own life That your kids are witnessing um, It's a huge responsibility It's kind of a scary huge responsibility When you think about it That your kids are really watching Everything that's going on in your home And there's a direct correlation Between your own character And the way that you handle situations And the way that your children Are going to handle similar situations in school And so it's something to to think about Think of public school as a swimming pool Uh, This This point obviously hits a little closer to home for me with, with our son Maddox last year. Um, there's two ways that we could have handled uh, Maddox's situation last year after he nearly drowned. We could have tried from, the rest of, uh, from that day on for the rest of his life to avoid any situation where there's going to be water involved. Don't ever go near a pool. Don't ever think about swimming. Don't ever think about this activity that's going to be near water. The other option is to teach him how to swim. To get him swim lessons, to make sure that he's got the flotation device on until he's good enough to swim on his own. Um, public school is a lot like that, too. It's not something where if you're not involved in it now, it's, it's too scary and you just want to keep your kids away from it all the time. I don't want my kids to, to be questioning about public school. I don't want them to wonder why their friends are going and I'm homeschooling. I, you know, It's just bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. Uh, the other option that you can think about is teaching your kids to be able to swim in something like public school. And hopefully we can give them the training to be able to swim in an area that's a large body of water, which I, I think is a great, uh, a great correlation to the public school. i give you some facts about public schools, and it's a very, very watered-down fact list. Um, nine out of ten kids actually attend public school. Uh, this morning, when I asked for the homeschoolers to stand up, it looked like there was a pretty big number that stood up. I was, I was a little surprised myself. But the statistics, statistics say that nine out of ten kids still are public schooled. That's a fact. Uh, Another fact is that test scores that you get from your uh, schools or that you hear about, oh, my my school district is doing really well on the state grade card, or they're doing really poorly on the state grade card, those test scores, even though they're accurate in their data, they'll tell you whether your school's rated maybe excellent or, um, you know, academic warning, and they have different things, and this whole common core curriculum that's coming up, they're going to make it simpler, because I think a lot of the terms they've been using are familiar with people in schools, but they're, they're not familiar to parents that want just to... How's my school doing? Is it an A, a B, a C, a D, or an F? And that's how the new rating system is gonna go. Um, it's gonna be much simpler for parents to follow. But even though the data is accurate, you know, there's a lot of things that you don't know, that, they, that the data doesn't tell. Uh, some of the things are, um, you know, the United States is pretty, pretty unique in that we educate everybody. We educate the poor. We educate kids that miss breakfast. We educate the ethnically diverse kids. There's tons of kids in our schools that are using English as a second language now. It's a growing number. Um, these are things that are not unique in every country So when you hear that China or Korea Is just blowing us out of the water They don't educate every single person Like the United States does So consider that when you're thinking Oh, our public schools must be st- just be doing terribly Because all I ever hear about Is how we're way behind everybody else The data, the numbers are accurate But the system and the way and who we're evaluating Is not, is not always telling the whole story Fact, public schools do have some ungodly elements and those are the ones that you hear about in the news. I'm not going to be a teacher standing up here and tell you that everything is rosy in, inside public schools because all of you know that it's not. I have the same fears that you do being in a public school, you know, as, as you do of seeing things in the news about public schools. You know, school shootings have been huge in the last couple of years, it's been on the rise big time. Um, you hear about inappropriate teachers with relationships with students. Um, you hear about inappropriate behaviors that teachers might take on. Um, you hear about bullying in schools. You know, these are all things that. Schools do have, and it's a fact, and, and no teacher or person in a school is going to deny that. So it, it is something that we you know, have to deal with. Keep in mind, though, also that there are tons of people in a school who are uh, people that love their job. they are people who want to help others, especially children. they are people who don't do it for the money. I certainly don't do it for the money. Um, and there are people, they're full of people who are called to do it. Uh, This past year, we made a transition with our kids switching school districts. They were coming to school with me. We moved uh, houses last November, and so our children are now in the school district that I went to when I was a kid, and uh, we were delighted to find out that the bus driver that is picking our children up, because a bus was a scary thing for us as parents, I think almost more than our kids were more excited about it, actually, but we were a little worried about what kind of things are they going to pick up on the bus, you know, what's the driver going to be like? Is he going to address things? Is he going to just let everything go? We were delighted to find out that the bus driver is a Christian was very helpful in getting our kids acclimated to the bus, doesn't tolerate a whole lot of stuff that you would fear that, you know, that's going to be on the bus. Um, Jax's music teacher found out very, he found out very quickly she was a Christian. She mentioned prayer to him. You know, this is a public school. This isn't a private Christian school. So schools are full of people like that. You know, I'm in a public school. Hopefully I'm being a good example too. But schools are full of people who do it as their calling. It's their Christian calling to do it. And they love to do it. And they love to help kids. Some things to consider, maybe to give you a little more uh, feeling like you've got some power around your public school. Five board members, typically, at least around us, five board members are typically running the show. You've got five people at a local level that are the ones making curriculum decisions. Now, of course, you have higher up. You've got people at at the federal government level making some big decisions. You've got some people at state levels making some decisions. But five board members in your local area are typically the ones that are making decisions about your public schools. Another reason to maybe make you feel like, wow, I could be maybe a little more involved than I am because, you know, I'm not just some little person in a big place. I'm, I'm somebody in a community where five people in that community are the ones that are making this decision. Maybe it could be you. Try to get involved in your schools and make a good first impression. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I, I, I got to talk about my principal now. Um, my principal, when he first came into our school three years ago, um, was a teacher. He stepped into our school... I don't know if any of you have seen uh, the movie Lean on Me. It's a, it's a movie about um, Morgan Freeman going into a school, a city school, uh, with all kinds of drug issues and, and uh, bullying and all sorts of things, guns in the schools, and he comes in and cleans the school up. I think my principal had watched that movie one too many times before he came to our school. Because he came into what, what I would consider a rural school. I work, I, I work in, a, in a rural area with you know a lot of farm kids. Um, and he came in, and I think the impression was that he had to come in and, and really put the hammer down and make sure that kids were straightened up. And the fact of the matter is, they were already pretty straight. So be careful when you make that first impression. He definitely is now working harder to catch up to make sure that he doesn't uh, that people don't believe the exact way that he came in as the first time. And it's important for you guys, too, when you're getting involved, to make sure that your first impression, the first time that you're talking to the, your child's teacher, first time you're talking to the school principal, the first time you're meeting the superintendent, those first impressions are very, very hard to take back if you make a really poor one at first. If you come in hollering and screaming about something that you're upset about, it's very hard to go back on that. Teachers and parents and, and people in the school remember that. So be careful with the first impressions. It's an opportunity in a public school to really network. Um, you know, network can really be your opportunity to witness to others. You're going to meet other parents that are in your kid's class. You're going to be with other people if you're involved in the school. It's really an opportunity for you to network as a Christian. It's a great way without having to, you know, go door to door. You're actually in there. You're talking to people. Thinking conversations naturally come up. It's a great way to network to other people. Remember to fear the Lord, not the school system. This kind of goes back to what I was, was talking about before as a public school being a big swimming pool. Um, Our fear should be in the Lord. Our fear should not be residing with with something like a public school. Um, Isaiah 8, 13, and 17 say, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Remember that success in school really starts with parents and their own prayers for their decisions, which in turn passes to our children and their choices. You know, our kids being successful in school, now I'm not guaranteeing good grades... But your children having a successful school experience really starts with you as a parent at home and praying for your children, praying that they're going to have success in school. Uh, You know, if it's not for grades, at least that their experience with school is going to be a good one. Um, You know, and and when they see us having decisions come up in our life that we're praying about, they will take the similar route when they come up with situations in their school. You know, our kids have already talked to other kids about praying for things at school, and and our kids are young. But I think they see it in us doing it at home, and they'll pass it on. And you, you kind of—that's one of those really warming moments as a parent when your kid will take that opportunity to school, and you never told them to do it. But they obviously see you do it enough at home that they will take those opportunities to do it at school with kids you know that they're running into on the playground. You know, do your research. I was talking about getting into a school district and moving into a certain area because you want to be in a certain in a certain district. Do your research, but let God be your guide. Don't pick a place because this is where the prestigious uh, school is or this is really, you know, this is where this, my, this certain faction of people go. This is where the rich kids go or this is the affluent area. This is the, this is the one that I hear all the good things about there, you know, on their gray card. Those are things to consider. But God should be your decision uh, maker in, in these big decisions about picking where you want your kids to go. Speak up for the right reasons and in the right way and encourage your children to do so as well. You know, there's going to be opportunities for your kids to speak up in a situation where they really should step in and say, something's not right here. These, these opportunities might come up more later as they're older, and especially in, into college and beyond. But those opportunities do come up in a public classroom. And encourage your children, hey, if, you, you know, if something doesn't sound right or there's a discussion about something that you know, you've talked about in Sunday school, encourage your kids to speak up in those situations, not just to sit back and kind of let the discussion flow in the classroom as it's going to go. And as I said, you know these, these opportunities come up more as they get older. Um, but, you know, those opportunities start out young, and if you encourage them to speak up at the right time, they're going to prosper when it gets, when they get older. They're not going to feel so afraid to, to address some things that they think are, are uh, worth talking about. Uh, I'm going to call Jen up to talk for just a couple minutes. She's going to go a little bit more into the, um, into the getting involved with your kids and, and some ways you can ex- extend it a little bit.
1: Okay, these are some of the things that um, we have been able to help our kids with. With... Uh in the public school system. So they might work for you, they might not, and we're hoping to have time later for you guys to share things that you have done for with your children too. I'm just going to kind of go in bullet form here. Jax had a birthday, and in second grade you typically bring snacks. So we did some healthy granola bars, and I asked him first if it would be okay, but I said, Jax, would it be okay if we to a Bible verse on your granola bars? And so he was so excited, and we chose Psalm 139, 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We put those on labels, and we pass it out to every single child. Um, And it did say, Happy Birthday, Jax, because that was a verse that we both chose together, and he loved the idea. I didn't want to do it if he was embarrassed or if he felt like I was forcing him to do it, but because he was so excited to share um, that Bible verse with others and, of course, a snack with his friends, um, he was not embarrassed at all. We have had prayer charts in our children's lockers to remind them to pray for lunch, because when we're not there, um, if you know me and you're my friend, you know I'm very controlling to my children Um, I told Aubrey today, who's 10, honey, just go eat with your friends today. Don't wait for us. You're allowed today. And she was so excited. Um, So one of the things when we found out our children weren't praying, it broke my heart. That was the hardest thing in kindergarten to realize that my child's eating on her own and I can't um, you know, make sure she's eating her fruits and vegetables and all this, but more importantly, praying. So we started a sticker chart in their lockers at school and I spoke with their teachers and I said, here's what's going to happen. If this is okay with you, but this is really going to happen... Um, we're going to put a sticker chart in their locker and every time after lunch when they remember, now I think they w- did lunch and recess, but after recess, please excuse my child because they're going to go to their locker, they're going to get out a sticker and they're going to put it on their chart to remind them yay, I prayed, and what we did it was a little bit of a bribery, but we felt like this was good because we don't have to do that anymore with, with Aubrey Um is that we, they got a prize if they filled up their sticker chart, and they would let us know. But more importantly, what was happening was children would ask if they can put the sticker on their chart. And they would say, Mom, um, Chloe asked if she can put the sticker on her, my chart. And I said, well, you have to pray. Did you pray today? And it was very, I mean, even Kennedy in kindergarten told, told me that a little girl wanted to accept Jesus in her heart for praying at, at lunch. So you know, take that for what it is, but that was a great thing to do. We have something in Ohio called Good News Clubs. They're, they are all over. I don't know if they're national. You can look them up online, but Good News Club is an after-school program that they are allowed after school to um, share the gospel, and it's amazing. Um, they, they preach great things to the children, and they are not allowed to, um, they're not allowed to advertise it in school, they're allowed to have the forms there, but they cannot say, Good News Club is starting at 3 o'clock, but my kids can. And they know that they can. They're allowed to. The teachers cannot. They can say, here's the forms. And so what we do is we invite everybody with a form, and they, they, they invite all of their kids because the, children, the teachers aren't allowed to, but the children do that. Um, like Mike said, our children do pray for their classmates. There have been times that Aubrey, Aubrey has come home now, and shared of um, a miscarriage that a friend of her her mom had. We, she said, mom, can we send them a card and let them know we're praying for them? Absolutely, we did that. We put some scripture in there. I've never met this mom. It was then later at a Thanksgiving party that she thanked me for that card. And I said, well, you know, it's because these girls talk. In, in fourth grade, they're already talking, of course, about the things that are happening in their home. And um, Kennedy and Jax, both of them, all, all three of them, have mentioned things to us. We have a prayer board at our house um, that says, how can I pray today? And we put prayer requests up there and anything that comes through the ACC prayer chain, typically anything, um, most of the things go up there. If we feel like it's something that the kids should be praying about with us, but we don't hide things from them with that. And so with that, they're seeing their own friends at school who are going through either a broken arm or, um, Billy's still chasing Landon on the playground and he doesn't like it. Can we pray for that? Absolutely. Um, one time I had to tell Kennedy to please stop praying with everybody at recess because I was feeling like it was maybe a little bit too much. Um, but if you know Kennedy, what's <laughs> her? Um, there's, there's something that um, a friend of mine had asked me if I would be willing to help with. I did not start it, but I, but I helped her with it. Starting a program where we're praying for our public schools. Um, we did go in, and we asked first. We asked the Lexington School's. May we please pray. And they they said, we cannot stop you, but you can't come in our school. That's fine. Even in the winter, we don't mind. Um, Every third Sunday of the month, I think it is, um, we go in the afternoon and pray. Um, I've taken my kids to this, and and it is amazing. Um, It's just a great, great thing. I have taken my children on our own because we couldn't make it one day to one of the things. So I asked them. I said, do you want to come pray with me for your school? We took their yearbook, and we all took... um, two names out of the out of the yearbook and just kind of opened it up and pointed to somebody. And they all prayed for those two people and, and for the teachers. But that's one thing that would be um, really neat. As you get your yearbooks at the end of the year, maybe save it for the next year. Pray for those teachers, their names. Are they going to be um, retiring? Did, did you have a problem with them? Instead of, um, you know, telling your children, oh, I really hope you don't get this teacher because they were horrible for your sibling last year. Pray for them. God can change their heart or God can even work through you to maybe um, send them a card or witness to them in some way. And my kids really did love that. And it actually got them and it got myself to know the names of children out there. So when they tell me that, you know, so-and-so is in their class, even though I don't know that little boy, I know that I've prayed for him. And the the name recognition is really neat um, to be able to know. So just getting to know your your school that way, going through that yearbook, it's worth the $12. Even if your kids don't want it, it's worth it so that you can look through it and pray for them. Um, There was a a video, a sex ed video, that was happening fourth grade in Lexington. They're starting it one year earlier nowadays um, than when we had it. And a letter went out just letting us parents know. Well, with that letter, I felt uncomfortable because certain things we have shared with Aubrey, certain things we hadn't yet um, and I wanted to know, so I called the school and I spoke with the guidance counselor. And I said, you know, I would like to know, I would like to see this video, you know. And, and she actually said, wow, parents don't ever call me. They either write in a, a nasty note saying, my child is not allowed to see this, and they don't bring them in, or they have them sit in the library. Um, or they just come and they don't care. And, and I don't know if they talked about the video or not. So I asked for the website. I watched it myself first. Then I watched it with Aubrey at home because I felt like that would be important instead of something... Um, giggling with fourth graders or shocking or something like that, that she could see it first and asked her those questions. If anything that you have questions about, ask us. Ask us first. Um, And that was just something that the guidance counselor was surprised of as well. I'm not saying that Mike and I, you know, that our ideas are any better, which is why we wanted to have this, so that we can hear from you too at the end of things that you have done or ideas you even just want to do. Give us some feedback because... um, we're very hands-on with our kids, and we love to hear of ways. And I know you guys are, too. Um, just want to find out encouraging ways to um, teach them. Um, lastly, there was a conference I had gone to with Aubrey and a few friends, and it was, it's called Pure in Heart, and it's based on um, 1 Timothy four 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith and your purity, most important, and your purity. It's based on the book, The Princess and the Kiss, and it's a book about um, a princess who is given her kiss, and it's kept as a gift. Has anybody ever read it? Yeah, okay. Good, Sonia, good, so you know. (laughs) Um, And it's symbolizing her purity, her virginity, but also her purity in the Lord. And so um, keeping this kiss and waiting for the right one. Um, So with this book, a grandmother started this, thing called pure in heart and it com- it talks about the girls and how to do that how to keep yourself pure but also all the other elements that we as as um, women of faith do need to know submission and love and how to um you know not be angry and certain th- warning signs of the world and the not to tolerate just anything that the lord that the world's telling you to do so at one point we we had gone there and i was listening and the lord just convicted my heart and said take this to the public schools." this this is we have to take this to the public schools and tell these moms that enough is enough we're taking our daughters back and we're not going to lose them to the world because these children are doing things in 5th grade already that that just are are mind boggling so i i was listening and as i was listening the lord just convicted me to take this into the public schools and ask um 400 moms or whatever it would be through these things and have an assembly of some type, I didn't even really know how to do it. And I came home and told Mike, I think I was supposed to go to the public schools and talk about purity and the relationships of mothers and daughters and how important it is to listen to your children and get to know them you know, on a level of school and listen to them you know, to hear their teachers and their classmates and what they're doing and all these kind of things. Um, I was convicted to talk to the principal when I was there one day. I just knocked on his door, and I said, if if you have a few minutes, uh, I want to make an appointment with you next week, whatever. I'm not really sure what I'm going to talk to you about yet, but something. And he's like, oh, come on in now. And I said, oh, no, no, I I don't have anything written down of what I want to do. He said, come on in. So I start talking to him, and I said, you know, the Lord is really convicting me. I, I think Lexington needs to hear this. That's the school district. And I, I want there to be an awareness that what is happening right now with our children is not okay with sex trafficking and all the other things that these girls are getting into. We need to keep them pure. We need to keep them girls, you know. And, and I said, and I know that this is what the Lord is telling me and this and that. And I just kept going on. And I said, I don't know, some assembly night, maybe a fashion show, maybe a modesty, how to, how to dress modestly but still cute, something with the mother and daughter and and I said, I'm rambling because I didn't know I would actually talk to you today. I don't have anything written down. And then, and then I said, I know i have mentioned God, and I can't mention God there. And he just stopped me, and he said, Mrs. Lamp, I can't mention God, but you can, and you're doing it. And it was, as, as I went through it, God just put people to help make this up. And so what we're doing is based on this. And that same weekend, um, Tammy Domka from our church, who was with us at that conference, she said, Jen, I can't explain it, but the Lord just told me, start a club, start one of these princess clubs. They have a little club. And she said, he just told me to do it, and I'm asking you and, and Paula and Sharon. And, and, and he, he just said, let's try it, start it, and then see if it goes, and take it to the public schools. And that was the very same weekend, and we just said, you know, God is, God is so great to put that together. And without shying away, these are our princesses. And they went through a 12-lesson study, and I can email or hand anybody information if you want it, even if you're not a parent or you're a grandparent and you have a heart or the Lord is speaking to you maybe to start something called a princess club. It doesn't have to be the same exact. Um, you can even write your own thing. But what we're doing in Lexington with this is we did get the okay to do it, and I have a, a group of about 12 formed together to help me to bring this modesty um topic in with the mother-daughter thing where we talk about purity and I will share my faith Um, we're going to be splitting the girls off and the moms off and that's when I'll I'll be speaking more to them Um, but this this is our princess club and if anybody has any kind of um, just wants more information on that I would be happy to share it thank you
0: Okay, so I want to get a little bit into some of the fundamentals uh, to teach your kids before sending them to school. Um, as I said, a lot of you, I assume, already have kids in school, but some of you maybe are on the on the in a stage in life where you're getting ready to send some of your kids into public school. And uh, there's really three. I'm going to narrow it down to three fundamentals that you really should be working on with your kids before sending them to public school. Uh, number one is love the Lord. Um, Mark 12.30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That really needs to be the thing that we stress the most. Loving God. they need to see it exhibited in us, it'll be something that they carry into school with them. It's got to be number one. And as I said before, we really have to be the example of it if we're going to expect it from our kids. I see a lot of kids that come into my classroom and their parents are surprised at their behavior. Oh, my kid acted that way? I can't believe they did that or said that. Or my kid would never do that. And then you know a little bit about that parent, and it sounds just like them. So it shouldn't be a surprise that your kids act just like you do. You know? And I know that, and, and yet there's times where we just really feel like you, know, you fail as a parent because you just dropped the ball on something that you really had your chance to show them how you'd handle a situation. But remember that if we expect it from our kids, we've got to do it ourselves. You know, Send your kid to school in the morning with the right attitude of loving God and wanting to please him. Uh, Ephesians 6.13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. They've got to go to school with the right attitude. That may involve a prayer in the morning, that may involve frequent discussions about things that are going on in their day. They've got to go to school with the right attitude if you want them to to exhibit those behaviors at school. Encourage them to give their best, in good times, in bad times. Galatians 6.9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, there's going to be so many times where your kids are going to be on this roller coaster ride in school. Maybe all in one year, it might seem like that. Maybe they're going to have a really up year, great teacher that they loved. The next year is just awful. Um, There's going to be times where they're just not going to want to give their best at all. They've got to be encouraged to give their best when it's good, when it's not good. You know, we can achieve this in a lot of different ways. Um, Jen was talking a little bit about the prayer boards. Um, You know, living by example is something we've already discussed The book, the the two folks that wrote the book, the Going Public book, talk about doing, they were doing daily devotions with their kids every single morning, waking their kids up early, making sure that they were all up, even the ones that weren't in school, getting their whole family involved, and doing daily devotions, praying for a kid's, you know, one of your kids maybe has a math test, maybe you didn't even know about it. Um, You know, your kids have concerns as the days go by, and making sure that you can bring those concerns together and to pray about them. Fundamental number two to teach your kids, is to obey, to obey you unconditionally. Way easier said than done, right, as a parent? Um, you know, by, by teaching them to obey you unconditionally, it teaches your child that they're really not the one in charge. And hopefully they know that in your home. But if you teach them to obey you unconditionally, when you pass them off to the public school, they will hopefully view the person, the other adult, that you're, you're passing them off to as the next person that's in charge. It's, not, it's still not them. And by having that built into their frame of mind that i got to obey the one that's here that's older than me or the one that's in charge or the one that's talking, you get them in the right frame of mind to pass them off to a public school. You know, it really fosters the understanding that in some situations, teachers are given that authoritative assignment when a parent is not present. You're handing your kids off. I've had a lot of parents that, you know, send their kids to school and they send them to my classroom and they end up in my classroom, but the parent really kind of wants to be the one in charge still. If you're passing your kids off into public school, yes, you are the parent of that child, but you are giving some of that responsibility to your school to, to teach your kid. And so there's got to be a line where you step back and say, the school knows what they're doing on this aspect. I'm going to teach this aspect of it at home in the hours that I've got them, but you know the school's going to take charge of this part of it. And, and it's tough to do. You sometimes have to step back and, and make sure that the school is, is uh, doing their role too. Expect results the first time when you expect to obey, them, uh, to obey you unconditionally. And, you know, a lot of times that's going to come with a poor attitude, but don't accept it. You know, your kids might unwillingly and grudgingly go to school. You can't accept that. And I know that's hard in the morning that you're never going to get your kids on a happy uh, note walking out the door every day to school because school's like prison to them. You know, as they get older, they just hate it. It's like, you know, something they just don't want to do. But try not to accept a poor attitude from the beginning when they have a poor attitude about going to school. Really try try to get the good attitude out of them before they walk out the door. We can really work to achieve this in in the first five years, and I know it's a it's a short little window. But showing those things, like I was talking about at home, before they step into the school, they really will. Hopefully, you know, you, when you embrace those years one to five, or z- ages zero to five, making sure dads involved. I'm I'm glad to see a lot of dads in here because you know, if if this was a forum choice that I had, I'd come here too. But dad has really got to be involved. Um, you know, dad cannot be the one that works the nine to five job, comes home, says. How is school? Great, that's it. And, you know, mom's going to kind of take care of everything that's school-related. Uh, the, the guy in the book is a big proponent of dad being the leader, really, of, of school issues. And it's, it's another responsibility, and it's huge. Um, you know, and you really got to get yourself involved. Um, Playing catch-up if you need to. Maybe your kids are fourth, fifth, seventh grade now and you realize, wow, I, I just kind of did step in the back. I, I liked the backseat position. I liked really not knowing what my kid was doing at school or I liked not having to go to parent-teacher conferences or I liked not having to get involved when my kid was interested in a certain facet of school. It may require you to play catch-up now. Hopefully, you'll maybe feel a little bit like, ah, I could probably do more. And it's never too late to catch up. You might have more catching up than the guy next to you, um, but it's never too late. You know, you can always step in and get involved. Challenge your kids, dads, but don't frustrate them. In Colossians 3.21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You know, keep in mind the school's role is to educate. That is the school's role. The parent's role is to teach obedience to their kids before they send them to school. That is your job as a parent. And so that kind of goes back to what I was talking about, the line between your role and the school's role. And hopefully they can mix well, but really your primary role is to get your kids to obey. It's to teach obedience. And the school's role is to educate. Okay, fundamental number three, probably the toughest one, <clears throat> is teaching self-control. How do we teach self-control? There's some places where you may not really think of this as teaching self-control, but it is. Um, you know, teaching your kids to watch what they eat, you know, making sure that they're not getting out of control with, with the food they're eating. Um, bedtime routines, teaching them self-control. We go to bed at this time, you know, this is our routine before we go to bed. I need you to help me do this. You know, you, you're watching the clock like I am, You need to be in control at the time that, you know, we're following this routine. Walking away from a fight uh, with their sibling probably at home. Following that same kind of self-control at school. There's going to be situations where uh, they're going to get in a disagreement with somebody. Teaching them to walk away from things like that. Not wasting their money. Uh, My daughter's probably got an issue with this one already, Aubrey. Uh, She's, you know, teaching your kids that... Money is not just something that's, you know, is growing on trees. And teaching them the self-control of saving for certain things or putting money aside for certain things or giving money to others, that's a way we can teach self-control. Going to school every day, making sure that they're not faking sickness and that you're buying into it because you kind of didn't like school when you were younger either, and so I understand they want to miss, you know, some school here and there. Making your, expecting your kids to go to school. That's a routine that, you know, that's a way that you can teach self-control also. It's no surprise that self-control equals better school performance. Um, It's one of my rules in my classroom on my little board that I've got four rules, and one of them is self-control. And we talk about that in my classroom, about you really have to be in control of yourself. You know, we have a lot of kids here. I'm trying to teach you guys. We have a lot of things going on. You have to be in control of yourself. And it's it's something as parents we've got to teach. It's something that's retaught in the schools, hopefully. Some other ways we can achieve this. Encouraging self-control from early on. It's gotta, again, it's one of those things that's got to be built in from the beginning you know, as, you, as your kids are in those early stages before they go to school. Even before you acknowledge their complaint. Um, you know, it's, it's a temptation of ours as parents to quickly take care of the problem, not worry about the kid that, you know, th- that they're screaming and hollering. Now, there, is, there's gotta be a situa- there are situations where you have to you know, take care of maybe a bleeding hand or something immediately, but trying to get your kids calmed down and getting them under control before you even acknowledge what the complaint is. It's one of the ways that you can kind of teach that self-control. Sometimes that involves even using distraction um, to get control when your kid has lost control. Um, You may have to use some kind of distraction technique where you get their mind off of what's really the problem just to get them calmed down. And then you can go and address the problem. Always, always offer grace and compassion. you know, But encourage self-control as well. This goes back to what I was saying about if they're physically hurt, You know, or some situation comes up, you have to make sure that you're offering the grace and compassion. You're not just going to look at them and say, I'm not going to address you until you're under control. I'm not going to address, you know, you can't be a robot about it. But you have to encourage that they get themselves calmed down, and then we can address this problem. I'm not going to address the problem if you're yelling and screaming at me, because schools won't do it either. So it's got to be something, again, that you build in from home. And it's no surprise that, you know, self-control carries over to things like sports it carries over to things like their grades it carries over to things like relationships it carries over to things like temptations that they're going to come across in school you know these are situations that they may seem basic and and, and easy to teach in these situations but if they've got good self control they carry them over into all facets you know it'll it'll come up when you your kids involved in a soccer game and they've got you know they get into a situation where there's maybe a shoving match between him and somebody else you may see that you may see that actually come to fruition where you taught self control and your kid kind of cools off and walks away from it um, you know, so it does carry over. And don't accept excuses when your kids lose it. So Jen talked a little bit about getting involved with the school. I'm going to talk a little more about that. Um, remember when, you, when you're getting involved with your school, approach in love. Uh, Matthew 7:12. Therefore all things whatsoever you would do that men should do to you do, even you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets, the golden rule. You know, approach your schools as parents when you're having to step into the school to get involved in a situation. Approach it in love. Remember that. Thank them often. This seems easy, and it can be something that's as simple as words that you're speaking. I have a note from a parent that I got, had to be seven or eight years ago, and I keep it in a folder in my desk. It's one of the only things that I keep that long. Um, And I pull that out from time to time when I'm having a really awful day, or I'm just thinking, I just, I'm not doing my job here. I just, I don't know why I'm a teacher. I can't do this effectively. I've lost control of the situation. I pull that note out from time to time, and it was a handwritten note from a parent. It was about a page long, probably the most valuable thing a parent has ever given to me and it was easy. That parent probably sat down and wrote it in five minutes, thought, "Ah, I'm just going to encourage the teacher a little bit. You wouldn't wouldn't believe what those things do for teachers. They're, They're huge. They're more than sending them a gift card at Christmas. They're more than giving them some kind of present at the end of the year. Those handwritten notes and those frequent thank yous to your teachers and your school are humongous for teachers. Make sure you get your facts straight by going to the teacher, not just assuming your child is always telling the truth. I have this happen all the time. Parent wants to come in and tell basically their kid's side of the story, and then they're oftentimes shocked to find out that there's more to it. So remember that, you know, when you go to your teacher, you're going with the goal of getting some more facts before you start, you know, your argument of defending your kid because you may be surprised to find out uh, the other side of the story. Use a polite tone. You know, it softens the teacher. The teacher's already on guard. When I have a parent call and say, I've got to come talk to you, I'm, I'm already on guard. Something's wrong. You know, te- parents don't want to come in and encourage you. They want to come in and talk to you when something's wrong. So... <laughs> Use a polite tone. If you want to talk to your teacher about something that's an issue or a concern to you or your kid, use a polite tone. It really kind of softens the situation. The teacher is less on guard when, they, when you walk in. Be tuned into your school. It makes approaching it so much easier. And what do I mean by tuned in? If you're involved and you're in your school and you're helping out with your te- you're in your kid's classroom, you're tuned in. The more things you get yourself involved in, the more valid it looks like when you've got a concern about it. If the only time the school sees you is when you're upset about something... They're not going to give that a whole lot of credence. You have to make sure you're tuned into what's going on, because when you come in then, the school wants to kind of make things okay for you, because you're here a lot. You help a lot. You know, you're a valuable asset to that school. If you're only coming in when it's something wrong, you know, you're going to be surprised how much they probably won't listen to that. Again, use and encourage kindness in your home, especially when referring to your child's school. It's easy to bash the school when something's wrong. You've got to be careful that when you're having those kinds of conversations with your spouse, that it's with your spouse, that your kid is not hearing everything about the school did this and the school wronged us in this way and your teacher this and your teacher that. Those are adult conversations that you can have, but your kids have got to be kind of out of the situation when you're having those about the school. Expect bumps along the way. It's, it's no surprise that schools, as a huge um, establishment, there's a lot of bumps along the way. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect as a teacher. The school's not perfect in their curriculum. There's tons of things that we do wrong from day to day. We try to do the best for, for kids, but there are tons of bumps along the way. And just expect it. It's going to happen. Remember to submit to authority. And this is more for the, for the parents and the people approaching the schools. Submit to the authority even when it's difficult. The principal's the one in charge. He's not always right. Mine certainly isn't right a lot of the times, especially with that first impression that I was talking about. But remember that he's the one in charge. And it's tough for us to submit sometimes to the ones that are in charge, to the authority in the, in the school. Um, but remember that. Working the system sends a a message to your child. You come in, your kid kid did wrong, uh, poor on a test or something, you come to find out they didn't study it, well, you're going to come in and make sure things are taken care of. Ask the teacher if you can have it retaken, you know, come up with a way that you're going to get your kid to get the grade that you wanted because you're going to, quote-unquote, work the system. And you're not thinking of it working the system, you're thinking of it, I'm doing what's best for my child. But if you constantly step into your child's mistakes and try to fix things by, by you being the one to fix things, you're sending a message to your child that, hey, anytime you mess up here, I'm going to step in and fix it. You can get the poor grade. You can have the, this type of behavior and get in trouble with me, miss recess, but I'm going I'm I'm to come in and make sure it doesn't happen. It really sends a mixed message to our kids that the adults are going to fix things. The adults in their lives are going to fix things when things go wrong and that your kids are really the ones that need to have the consequences. You know, it's okay, okay to disagree with authority and to vocalize it as long as it's in a respectful manner. You know, you're going to have the situations where you do have to vocalize your disagreement with the school. And it's okay to do that. Just make sure you do it in a respectful manner. And again, step in to get your facts right. Bottom line is you know your child best. You know, you guys spent, and, and myself, 80% of the time of your kid's day is spent at home. And 20% really is spent at school. And then you throw in summer, and you've got even more time that you've got with your kids. You know your child best. Uh, on top of that, you're a tax-paying citizen. You're invo- you, you have the right to be involved in your school. school can't tell you, we don't want you here. You pay taxes, I assume, in your district. You're, pa- you're helping fund your schools. You have a right to be involved in your schools. Schools love parental involvement. They really do, in lots of different ways. Um, you know... I always, you know, in our schools, I see a lot of parents coming in to do bulletin boards and grading papers and volunteering for parties and reading to kids and volunteer coaching if, you, if you're interested in the sports end of it. Um, offering materials to your classroom that they might need. If you can't be there physically, you can offer things to your school. Maybe even going a step above and being involved in, like, the, the, the Parent Teacher Association or some type of that in your, in your district. Lots of ways to get yourself involved and get tuned in. Take advantage of the teachable moments, too. You know, in school, we have things we call teachable moments, and it's when the discussion comes up about something, and uh, it's not in my lesson plan to talk about this, but you don't ignore it. You take advantage of those opportunities to talk about them when they pop up. Some of those teachable moments might be the awkward ones. It's important to handle them calmly. Try to be more of a listener than a talker when you're handling those situations that are touchy subjects. You know, try to offer some insight without being smothering. You want to be the one that's helping them along the way, but you don't want to be the know-it-all that they're going to tune out by the time they're at a certain age, because you're the one always telling them, this is the way it is, and this is the way it was. You've got to offer the insight without being smothering about it. Some other teachable times, you know, humility in sports. We talked a little bit about that already. Not turning assignments in on time. You know, when they're not turning assignments in on time, not stepping in to work the system and fix it so it's going to be okay for them grade-wise. You know, making sure that they're standing up to friends at the right times. Addressing cheating issues. I had a cheating issue this past year that I had to address with a parent. And, you know, these are situations that come up. These are teachable times when, you know, it's something off the, off the path a little bit that you didn't think your kid would be involved with, but it's a teachable moment, and, and embrace those. Any of you know how diamonds are created? Where they come from? Random question. Somebody said it. Coal. And diamonds come from coal. You know, an ugly black piece of coal created under a, pushed under a lot of pressure eventually makes a diamond. You know, we start out with something that's very invaluable, but a lot of pressure really creates what is considered a very valuable thing. So these pressure situations that they're, they're gonna run into in school, it also creates something great. You know, it's it's gonna to be tough. The peer pressure is gonna to be tough, but it will create something good in the end. I'm gonna skip over parent-teacher conferences because I know my time is running short. And I, I told Jen if I was running short, this is the one I was gonna skip. Parent-teacher conferences are important. I'm gonna buzz through this real fast. Make sure you show up for them. They're important. Track progress as your kid's year goes along. Don't wait till the end to try to say, oh, why does my kid have a D in this subject? Track it as they go along, either by keeping track of their papers as they're coming home. Our school does it online. You can watch their grades online. Teachers update it. Keep track of of things as they're going along. Ask questions at parent-teacher conferences, not just about their grades, but about some of their character traits, some of the qualities that they exhibit in the classroom. Do they have respect of authority? Do they they have a good attitude? Are they a good leader in the classroom? Those are good things to ask at parent-teacher conferences. When you have meaningful parent-teacher conferences, you're showing your child that you're involved and that you care about what's going on in their class. They're easy to skip, but they're way more valuable if you're you're going to them, and your kid notices that. Some of the ways you homeschool your kids, you feed them good mind food. You don't leave it to the school to be the only ones to to intervene or to meet out consequences. You are the one that kind of takes charge of that part of it. Give some of these touchy issues your attention. A biblical worldview. You know, we're talking about good versus evil. That's something, as a parent, you've got to talk about some of these types of things with your kids because the school's going to give you a much different interpretation of some of these things. Creation. We all know that this is a hot-button issue in schools. Evolution versus creation. Make sure you talk with your kids and make sure that they've got a a strong foundational understanding of what your views are and what their views should be about it. Um, Sexuality. You know, the issues like same-sex marriage and abortion. You know, as, they, as your kids get older, these are things that are talked about. Even, you know, even from a young age, they're talking about things that are much simpler. But as they get older, these are issues that they're seeing around them. These are things that your kids need to know what your view is on it. And they're things you've got to talk about. an um, American heritage, where did, our, where did our country start from? What are the foundations that our country was built on? Talking about those things, because the school doesn't address them nearly as much as they probably need to. And how about spiritual life and devotion? School doesn't touch that at all. That's got to be something that's on your plate to talk about with your kids. I'm going to read a couple quotes. The book um, talks about some of the roles for moms and some of the roles for dads, or for the women and for the men. I'm going to let the quotes speak, speak for themselves because I want to get through these real quick. Mom's got three roles. One of them is to pump up Dad's role. Meanwhile, I've been saying to the kids, we're having a great time, aren't we? But it's never quite as good as when dad is with us. I deliberately pump the expectation that things will kick into a higher gear in dad's presence. Jen does a great job with that. Never downplay your worth. In fact, if you want to put a price tag on our heads, listen to salary.com, a website that tallies average salaries by occupation. They surveyed 40,000 at home mothers to learn how much time they put into childcare, cooking, home management, taxi driving, and all the rest. Then they multiplied those hours by a fair wage with overtime pay factored in and arrived at $138,095 per year. That's what it would cost to hire some outsider to do everything you do. So never downplay your worth. Make raising your children your number one priority. Children do not successfully raise themselves. They need us. Their attendance at school does not change the fundamental fact. The more we guide, support, and encourage them through the years of education, the more we will rejoice at the mature young adults they become. So, Mom, your third role is to really make sure your children are the number one priority. Dads, you were hoping I was going to leave you out. I'm not. (laughs) Dad's got three big roles, too. First one is stay involved in the game. Those of us who are dads tend- need to stay in the game even after we take a hit and feel a little woozy this isn 't the time to grab your head, shake it off, and get back in the action. Your family needs you you 're the man here, and your wife and kids rightfully look to you for leadership it 's your job as a dad is to be make sure that you are staying involved in the game that they 're going through. Being the leader in school issues, I believe one of the main ways for us dads to fulfill our call to servant leadership as it 's called is to take hold of school issues i 've already talked in earlier chapters about attending teacher conferences teacher conferences, and helping with field trips. Beyond these things, I personally aim to position myself as the go-to guy for educational matters. Whatever happens, good or bad, or in between, I will be alert and involved. The buck stops with me. I take responsibility, excuse me, protecting your son or daughter's... Back up one more time. I take responsibility for being the spiritual compass of our family. If anybody's wondering what the true north is, I hope they automatically look in my direction. I hope they know from experience that Dad has a grip on what the Bible says about current life situations, that he keeps a Godward view of things. Some last things. Your child's role is to be a good role model, to be a good student, to be a good citizen, a servant leader. Really what they should be doing is modeling Christianity. Your role as a parent is to be the primary spokesperson to the teachers, the administrators, the coaches, and other parents also to model Christianity. Such a great opportunity to be a witness where it's so desperately needed. You know, Teachers are the first ones, or Christian teachers are the first ones to say, can you imagine schools without Christian kids in them or kids of Christians in them? It would be a disaster. It would be scary, actually, if you didn't have those Christians dispersed in the schools. So don't pull your kids out for fear that things are all evil there. You need to have them in there. And again, remember that God is in control no matter what. His power to overcome is limitless. One quote I want to finish with. We do not expect every Christian family to live like ours does or do what we do, but however God has called you, press ahead. Anchor your family in the living word of God on a regular basis. Even if you remain in a Christian school or homeschool setting, don't be afraid of the public school scene. If you are, Satan wins twice. He keeps you and your children in a state of uncertainty about God's power in this world, and he prevents those of you who need God's love from getting close to the very people who could bring it to them. I meant to leave time for discussion, and we've got a few minutes. I know we've got a couple teachers in here. Feel free to speak up. If you have any questions for me or anything that you've done in your schools in your area that has really helped, you know, Jen and I and obviously everybody in the room would welcome any of those kind of comments. Um, I can just bring the microphone to you if anybody has a comment about something they've done that's worked in their schools or uh, any kind of questions.
2: Um, One of the things that our family does at the beginning of the school year is we pray for the new teachers, even though we don't know who they are. Um, We pray for them, and then we write them a note and give it to them on the first day of school. And I've seen the teachers that still have those notes on their desk at the end of the year. Um, That's very important for us because we remind them over and over again that we're here to pray for them. If they need anything, let us know. And some of them have, and um, I encourage my kids to do that as well during the year. Um, one more thing really quickly Um, some of the moms at our church get together once a month and we all pray for our individual schools the teachers the problems that the kids come up with and it's a confidential thing because there's a lot of um, personal issues involved with our kids in schools but we find that to be very helpful for us to get together once a month to pray for our schools and teachers and kids
0: thank you anybody else
3: Uh, it, it's a simple thing and something that we do every day, but sometimes we forget to include our children. Uh, Mike, when you were talking about, um, you know, encouraging your kids to like school and not taking that attitude, Kennedy didn't like school. my Kennedy didn't like going to school. That was something she would rather stay home and just hang out if she could. Um, and so we started implementing, when we drop them off in the car before we go into the school, we all have a prayer together. And just really whatever the issue is you know that they would have a good day that mommy and daddy would have a good day at work and that that's like our calm time before we let them go so and that's really helped for our our family to kind of connect just before we let them into the system
0: i think jen had mentioned too you know even if you've got a it's not really bribe but even if you've got to give your kids some kind of incentive Jax was the one we had the most trouble with getting have a good attitude about going to school even if it's a sticker chart it's some kind of reward after going with a good attitude for a while you know building some things in like that if you really are struggling with getting your kids to have the right attitude going to school
3: i just want to say when we moved into our school district i didn't know anyone and i went to a pta meeting and i know schools have that i went I was wasn't I'm not shy so I went in I got involved I helped I volunteered what you said here today I was like bowing my head to everything because first and foremost without God I joined the PTA I went little by little became president what you said the teachers what they saw principal approached me for advice as a Christian which I thought was like whoa you know Mm -hmm. but you're being an example and my kids are now in middle school I thought elementary was bad. Now being involved, I went to school districts. I got the reading program back in. I've done the bullying program, got that implemented in our school. I was very involved. People try to discourage me, and I'm like, no, my girls—they've seen me there. People thought I was a teacher there, <laughs> and but you just—you have to get involved. You know, do that at home. Dinner conversation is not about what they did in class. It's more the drama that happens in the school keep that communication open with your children Um, that really helps and not that I'm boasting but my daughter um, my oldest daughter they have a end of the year honor program and they get their awards and the teachers get together and do uh, nominate children for student of the year and we didn't know that she was getting it and so we're videotaping and the teacher was announcing about the child, why, and whatnot, you know, the sports that she's involved, all the activities that she's involved, but the teacher did announce that it's her love of God, and because, and I did not know this, I don't know where my daughter heard it, because I know I didn't tell her that, but she said, the one thing as a teacher that she learned from my daughter was when she said, why do you come to school so early, I mean, I'm dropping them off a half hour early, because they're helping with school, teaching things, she goes, well, my mom helps, we learned, but she's like, it's pleasing in God's eyes. I always told my kids, treat those the way you want to be treated. Remember that first and foremost, whether it's bullying, this or that. But when the teacher told me that, I literally went in tears because I just thank God that I'm doing something right in my kids' lives. You know, we just pray, and we were very thankful for that.
0: Um, I've got the golden rule posted in my class, and like I said, I teach in a public school, and, and so I've had conversations with people before like, oh, we heard public schools discourage any kind of talk about this or any kind of posting about that, and Edith and I were talking about this a little bit ago. You know, schools are... Those ones that you hear about, those nightmare stories of they, you know, the teacher mentioned the word God and he got fired, there's so much more to the story than that. So many schools involve, uh, allow way more than you would think they would allow. And we don't know that unless we get ourselves in there and see it. You know, it's one of those things that you have, to, you have to see the good stuff too, not just hear the horror stories on the news. There's so many good things going on in schools too. I thank all of you for coming and staying for a couple minutes late. I appreciate you being here.